seemed to have almost everything in Ephesus, a church that really had all it needed in Smyrna, a church without boundaries in Pergamum, the open-minded church at Thyatira, and this morning we are going to be looking at the incomplete church in Sardis in Revelations chapter 3, if you want to turn there. The scripture says, to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief And you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." When we lived on Maui, the church had an old two-bedroom cottage on the property that they rented out to one of the members. At one point, she reported that she was having trouble with her bathtub, and so for the workday that month, two of the men decided that their project for the day would be to fix her bathtub. When they went in and they started working, they noticed that on the wall was a soft spot, from turbite damage, so they decided to fix that first. Unfortunately, when they pulled off the board, they discovered the one next to it was also damaged. And then the one next to that, and the one next to that. We finally stopped them when there was no more bathroom. Literally, they had destroyed the outer walls of the bathroom, and they would have kept going to the kitchen and the bedroom walls if we had let them. Most of the exterior walls at first appearance, seemed fine, but they really were just a shell with several coats of paint from over the years covering up the damage. The strength and the integrity of the structure had been eaten away over the years. 
That's what was happening at the church at Sardis. It was merely a shell of the life and the former glory they had once enjoyed. They had a serious problem. The problem really was threefold. First, it was based on what they had forgotten. The scripture says, these are the words of him who holds the sevenfold spirit or the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Seven is a significant number in scripture representing completion or perfection. And the sevenfold spirit represents the Holy Spirit himself, God's active presence and working in the world. He is the one who sends his own spirit to work and to walk among his people, accomplishing his perfect will. The seven stars represent the message to the churches. The message from the one they had forgotten. They had forgotten that God himself was with them and working among them, bringing about his perfect purpose. Something we too can easily forget. No matter where we're at in our life, what we're facing, God is still with us. God still holds us in his arms. We may not see it, we may not understand it, but if we take our eyes and begin to forget that, we forget one of the precious promises and assurance in his word that he's never going to leave or forsake us. It's his presence which we as his people draw strength from day by day. It's his word which is given to guide us. Without that active experiencing of his strength and his guidance, we too become merely a shell, holding out the hope of life but without an inner reality to provide it. The church at Sardis thought they had it all together. That things were going along pretty well with their services and activities and rituals, They thought these things brought them life or proved that they had life. They were doing what they were supposed to do. But now God says it's only a facade, a shell or appearance for appearance sake. God was still there. They just had forgotten about him. God is among us, alive in presence. And it's not our abilities and our Uh, gifts and talents. It's his presence that enable us to serve. And when we forget that, we become like those shell walls, an outer shell without substance underneath it. We need reminders that we're dependent on him, that life is more than mere appearance. It's like Jesus' own words about the judgment when he says, on that day, many will say him, Lord, didn't we do all these things for you? And he said, I never knew you. You were only a shell. In the church, it would be look like looking at the structure, the organization, the activities, and ignoring, is there really life within the body? Is there love for one another? Is there a sense of worship and ministry and passion for him that Jesus said is really going to be what characterizes his followers? Because after all, Paul was the one who said, God is at work in us both to will and to do his good purpose. But the problem wasn't just what they were forgetting. It was also what they were remembering. I know your deeds, it says. You have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. They had a reputation to uphold. A reputation of all the things they had done in the past. All the things they could point to to say, look at what we did. Does that not show something? 
All the people who had been saved, the lives that had been touched, this mission started, a glorious history, and it was that that they were now relying on to provide their comfort and security because they had these things they forgot about God. Beware of living in the past and past accomplishments. We celebrate the past. We live for God in the present. What we've done, what the Lord has done, can become a detriment to our faith when we begin to rely on a prayer we said at some point in our past or an aisle we walked or some water we were baptized in. You know, the church at Sardis was not trying to compete with Ephesus or with Pergamum or with Smyrna. They had their past to glory in. Several hundred years earlier, they had been one of the greatest cities of the ancient world. The capital of the Lydian Empire, legendary wealth from the gold found in a nearby river. It was a past they had tried to rebuild and recapture after Cyrus the Great had destroyed it in the 5th century. It was a past they were trying to recapture after Antiochus had destroyed it in the 2nd century. And again after an earthquake had destroyed it in 17 AD. They were a people looking back, living off of past glory, trying to bring it again. We celebrate the past, but we don't live in it. The rituals had continued, the form and the structure were there, but like damage done by termites, the church was only a shell with a reputation, Jesus says, but no life. Doesn't that happen in our lives if we're not careful? We begin to look back, we remember, and we forget the God who is with us now. The God who wants to use you today. The God who wants you to touch your neighbor or your coworker with a word of hope or grace. We can gain a reputation as being a Christian or being a leader and live off of that rather than the one who strengthens us. Our faith can become like a shell. Layers of paint, things that look good, but the vitality is gone, eaten away over the years because we're not holding on to the one who gives life itself. How is your faith? Are you living in the past? Living off something you had done or some way you have served in past? As disciples, we're called to live for God today. To build up our faith today. The process of spiritual growth is a process of becoming like Christ day by day, year by year. As disciples, we're called to be involved in using what God is doing in our lives. You know, you cannot stay where you are and go with God, is what Henry Blackaby said. Organisms are either growing or they're dying. There's no middle ground. How are we growing? Problem in Sardis was not just what they had forgotten or what they were remembering. It was also, in verse 2, saying what they were missing. Verse 2 says, I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. There was something missing there. What they were missing was life. Because life is based on Jesus Christ. And to say they're dead, saying Jesus was missing from their midst. A serious difference here from the churches mentioned previously. In Thyatira and Pergamum, they were warned about the few who were going astray. Here, the few are warned about the many who had gone astray. 
In verse 4, it talks about you have a few in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. Unlike the letters to the other churches, there's no commendation here for this church, for what they're doing right. There's no doctrine or error to correct. And significantly, there's no mention of persecution either. Every other letter to the churches mentions trials that the faithful are facing because of their faith. Perseverance is a common theme. To the Ephesians it says, You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. To Smyrna he says, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you were rich. To Pergamum he writes, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. And to Thyatira he said, I know your perseverance. But he comes to Sardis, no mention any of that. Why? When only a shell remains, there's nothing for the devil or the world to take exception with. The message of the cross, the message that each of us are called to communicate to a world around us is about the need for change, about sin and forgiveness and grace, of repentance and turning to God because all of us are separated without Christ. And so he came for us. And that can be threatening because it does call for change. It can make us uncomfortable when we're confronted with our separation from God. That's what persecution is is given rise from. That's discomfort. I don't want to be uncomfortable, so get rid of it. Or I accept it. Here, a church living in the past, celebrating what they had done, wasn't confronting the world around them. They were going along with it. When the shell remains, it becomes like Easter and Christmas, both events marking the seriousness with which God takes our life, yet the substance below the celebration is lost and it becomes little more than rabbits and reindeer than redemption and salvation. Concern for our reputation and the past replaced faithfulness. Hold on to what we've done. Forget what God wants to do now. The church at Sardis did have a serious problem, but then Jesus gives them a solution. And his solution in these verses is put in the form of five commands. The first one, the strongest one, is wake up. Keep watch. Would have had very significant meaning for the church at Sardis. Nearly 700 years earlier, when that city was at the height of its power and wealth as the capital of the Lydian Empire, it was vying with Persia for dominance in the region. Sardis was located at the top of a narrow path toe, 1,500 feet high, and there was only one narrow road leading up to it. It was considered impregnable. In his pride, Croesus, the king, set out and set war against Cyrus of Persia, but his armies were routed. He retreated to Sardis, confident that he was in an impregnable fortress, because everyone considered it that. Cyrus was there two weeks and saw that there was little to no hope of taking the city by force. So he offered a large reward to the man who found a way to defeat it. As his army was camped around the foot of the plateau, there was a soldier who was named Hyraeides, who happened when he was watching to see one of the Sardian soldiers drop his helmet over the wall, and it fell 1,500 feet to the bottom. A little while later, he happened to see that soldier down at the bottom picking up his helmet. And he realized there had to be a secret way 
up through the rocks to get to the top. That night, he led a company of Persian soldiers up that precipice, and when they got to the top, the army was sleeping. They were so confident in their position that they failed to keep watch. And Jesus says, wake up to a church with that history. The amazing thing happened about this story is that 300 years later, after Alexander the Great died, there was a struggle for control of his kingdom between four of his generals. And during that struggle, Achaeus fled to Sardis with his army for refuge. Our Antiochus pursued him. A year they unsuccessfully tried to take Sardis. And then one of his soldiers named Lagarus repeated the exploits of the Persian army 400 years earlier, found a way up the rocks, and with a company of men, they got up there at night and found everyone sleeping. Jesus says, wake up. Keep watch. It's a warning to the church to keep it from doing the same thing, to becoming so secure in what you've done, in your name, in your reputation, you become complacent and careless. There's no command in Scripture more common than the simple command to keep watch. It's a warning for all of us. Don't get complacent because God wants to call you forward for your life to be one of life and growth and development. And then it says, strengthen what remains. As weak as it was, the shell was still standing. There was still something they were holding on to. And now Jesus says, hold on to that. Strengthen it. Give it substance again. Don't just throw through the motions of worship and service and doing things based upon what you've done in the past. But pay attention. Make it real again. Don't just celebrate the Lord's Supper. Make it real. Don't just go through the motions of baptism. Does it reflect a heart of change? Then it commands them, remember what you have seen and heard. Don't remember the past, but remember the gospel that was given to you. Remember the power of God at work among you. Draw strength from those things to guide you with his sevenfold spirit and his seven stars in his hands, those who seek will find. Don't just remember the past. Trust in the God of the past and the future. And then it commands to obey it, because it doesn't matter how much you say you love God if you're not doing what it says, Jesus says. If we don't find our strength in him, we're going to find it something else. And it's a shallow, shallow thing to hold on to. And then it says, repent. Turn, or he'll be like a thief, like the soldiers of Cyrus or Antiochus, coming up the steep cliffs, finding people sleeping. Jesus says, repent, or I'll come like that. And the promise in verses 4 through 6 is that those who are prepared, who listen, that he will continue to walk among them as their friend, as their savior. One of the things Sardis was known for was their wool and textile industry for their clothing, an important part of the city life. And Jesus says, those who listen, I'll dress in white, in pure garments, to reflect pure hearts. And he'll write another name in the book, or their name in the book of life and acknowledge them before God in heaven. What are we basing our confidence, our faith on? Is it something from the past or is it 
the present reality of God. The call to the church at Sardis was a call to live out your faith today. Not rely on something done before. A living, growing relationship with God is what he offers and calls all of us to. It's an invitation we offer each week as we close the service to say God wants to know you. He wants to be involved in your life just like a parent wants their child to be involved with them. Not to forget them. God says the same for us. Call upon him. Come to him. And that's our invitation as we stand in a moment to sing, to remember the things of God, not the things of our past, and to look to the future, to the future God has for us, of hope and of life. As the worship team comes, will you join me in prayer? Father, as we close our time of worship today, we thank you that you are a God of the present and the future and the past. And all together, you have a bright eternal future for all of us in Christ. We thank you for the hope that he gives. May we too be awake and alert to your presence day by day, moment by moment, as our loving and present Heavenly Father. We thank you for that grace that sustains us in Jesus Christ. Amen. Ask me not, O gentle Savior, Do not pass me by.